Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. We got another episode here for you today. Uh, today is going to be a three sport effort. I'm going to try to run through uh, three different sports here real quick for you guys in a short amount of time and see if we can't just get some some news out to you guys today because there is some significant stuff happening obviously with the NHL trade deadline and MLB being in spring training and then obviously both the NHL and the NBA heading toward playoff time. So just want to throw some news at you here today uh, for a few minutes and hopefully... Um, your week is going good. Uh, it is Wednesday, hump day, uh, the first day of March, March 1st, 2023. So we're going to try to be a little bit more consistent with uh, getting some content out to you guys every day this month. Uh, that is the goal. Whether it will happen or not remains to be seen. But we're going to start off with some NBA action because I do believe this is going to be a pretty quick segment. Um, the first thing that I wanted to mention is just the fact that Kevin Durant is actually coming back tonight. He's going to make his son's debut against the Hornets tonight which is a huge deal for the Suns because they are in fourth place in the Western Conference and with the way that the playoff field is set up which I don't necessarily agree with um, a lot of teams are making the playoffs so some of the teams that are on the outside looking in are about 14 maybe 15 games behind first place but they're only like half of that maybe four or five games behind the Suns. So they're going to have to play some good ball down the stretch in order to guarantee themselves a shot. I'm not saying that they're going to miss the playoffs by any stretch of the imagination, but they might have to play in the play-in tournament if they don't finish as one of the top six seeds. So that's a big deal for uh, Durant, one of the top players in the game, to be coming back. So just uh, take notes. He might be on a minute limit, who knows, but it is kind of significant that he's coming back. And that's pretty much the main headline news right now for the the NBA. Uh, the Milwaukee Bucks are obviously on fire. They were not in first place for the longest time, and now they are in first place. They have won 15 games in a row. Yes, 15 games in a row. That's pretty significant <laughs> in any sport to win 15 games in a row. So I just thought I would mention it, that they are red hot right now and getting the job done, trying to obviously get that number one seed in the Eastern Conference, which is pretty much a, I would say, three-team race for the number one seed. It'd be Milwaukee, Boston, and Philly. So between those three teams, one of those three is going to be the uh, the number one seed in the East one way or another. Uh Another headline, the Atlanta Hawks, who are now 31-31 and 31 in eighth place in the Eastern Conference, they hired a new coach recently, and that coach, Quinn Snyder, in his first game back as the coach of the Atlanta Hawks, loses a very close game, a nail-biter, to the Washington Wizards by only three points, and that is pretty much courtesy of Bradley Beal, who put up a season-high 37 points against the Wizards. So pretty significant news there as well. Any Hawks fans that thought that Atlanta was going to turn their season around and stop winning one, dropping one, winning one, dropping one, well, they're still doing the same thing. So I don't know that a coaching change is going to be a saving grace for the Atlanta Hawks this season, but we shall see. There are plenty of teams still in the hunt in the Eastern Conference, and I think there's only maybe one, maybe two teams 
that are math. I would say only one team that's mathematically eliminated in the East. That would be the Pistons because the Hornets are on a five-game winning streak and they're in 14th place. So if the 14th place team can win a quarter of their wins the entire season back to back to back to back to back, only a 20-win team but five of them in a row, maybe they'll get hot at the right time and, and make it in. Who knows? But with a 10-team playoff and the way that they have it set up with the play-in tournament, Anything can happen, and the only time you're going to catch me watching basketball is when the playoffs start. So, other reason why I'm even talking about NBA right now is because really soon we're going to have some March Madness to talk about, and that is something I'm very invested in. So, you guys be ready to fill out those brackets here soon. We do have March Madness Selection Sunday coming up, not this Sunday, but the next Sunday, and then that same week, we're going to get some college basketball. So, that's going to be fun. Uh, A couple more things that are significant in the NBA – The Raptors beat the Bulls. That's their eighth win in 10 games, so they're getting hot as well. I think this segment is pretty much just called Who's Hot. Uh, As far as who's also hot, wasn't hot, uh, the San Antonio Spurs snapped a 16-game losing streak uh, with their victory. So that was last night. They were on a six, yeah, 16-game losing streak, and they snapped it. So you got a team on a 15-game winning streak. And a 16-game losing streak. I mean, how more extreme can you get, I guess? I mean, that's pretty interesting. Uh, another significant NBA thing that happened, a LaMelo Ball is out for the rest of the season with a fractured ankle. So LaMelo Ball, is, uh, he's just had pretty shit luck, honestly. He He's a really good player, and he's only 21 years old. But has he really ever been healthy? I mean, he keeps running into these crazy issues where he's missing time. And uh, his team's definitely suffering. So the Hornets were hot five in a row. Now they don't have LaMelo. I don't know what's going to happen. So we'll keep an eye out on that. Uh, Another historic thing that happened in the NBA, Nikola Jokic, the Joker, becomes sixth player in NBA history with 100 career triple doubles. Obviously, he is one of the best, um, if not the best in our game right now. It's pretty much between him and Joel Embiid. But Nikola Jokic, he is... One of a kind, guys. If you've watched this guy play, he absolutely dominates, takes over every single game that he plays in and just makes his presence felt. And the stats definitely support that argument. So Nikola Jokic, sixth all-time in triple doubles, 100 career triple doubles for the Joker. And finally, in NBA news, Steph Curry could return very soon on the Warriors road trip, which could be significant. Another team that is barely in the playoff hunt in the fifth seed in the uh, Western Conference, borderline having to play a play-in game. They're only a half game up on the Dallas Mavericks, who are in seventh place. So moving on to the next sport, after we covered some NBA action, we're going into some NHL news. Uh, First thing I'm going to mention is uh, congratulations to one of my least favorite players in the world, Connor McDavid, scoring 50 goals this season. So good job, McDavid. Um, 50 goals is a... Heck of a milestone. First time he's ever done it. So congrats to McDavid. Another congrats to Miko Rontanen, a Colorado Avalanche winger who is a natural pure goal scorer. His first 40-goal season um, in his NHL career. So that could be first of many. Obviously, Rontanen is one of our premier scorers in the NHL. He just... Also, injury problems. Colorado still missing their captain, Gabriel Landeskog. No idea what the timetable is on his return, but kind of sucks to be missing your captain for an entire season. I guess they kind of knew that at the beginning of the year, but hey, they're still making moves, okay? The Avalanche actually just acquired 
Lars Eller from the Washington Capitals, who is a pretty solid center, former Montreal Canadian, obviously Washington Capital. He has had some success in his career. I've seen some some magic Lars Eller stuff. So, I mean, maybe he's going to fill one of those voids that they have uh, in their offense. But Lars Eller is a good two-way forward. He's going to bring a little bit of presence, uh, defensive presence to the uh, Colorado Avalanche. And right now they're playing really good hockey. The Avalanche are on a six-game winning streak. They're 7-1-2 and two in their last 10. So, they're playing really, really well right now, and obviously, they're, there's a lot of pressure on them. You know, being the being the defending champs, you automatically have that weight on your shoulders. You got to try to repeat. It doesn't happen very often. There's very few teams that can repeat. You know, we're talking about teams as dominant as the Lightning, as the Penguins. Aside from those, it doesn't happen very often. So I think it's probably more likely that they don't repeat, but they are getting hot at the right time with about 20 games left in the season. So good for them. A team that's been hot all year and is still proven to be hot is the Boston Bruins. They're on an eight-game winning streak right now. They were 9-1 and one in their last 10. And in the season, in 60 games, they are 47-8-5. I mean, how much better can you do? You're bound to lose a few games. But like for them to be 47, 8, and 5, can you be more dominant? They have 99 points, almost 100 points, and they still have 22 games left to play. I mean, teams that are winning the President's Trophy are, are getting, what, 100 and 110, 115, maybe 120 points. These guys might legitimately score like 140 points this year if they keep up this pace. So they could finish with one of the greatest records ever in an NHL season Ever like this team is as dominant as it gets. You know, I think it's the emergence of David Pasternak, 80 points this season, 42 goals. Brad Marchand still doing Brad Marchand things. He's an over point per game player. Bergeron's proven he's still got it. Krejci's playing really good hockey. Charlie McAvoy is playing great. He just uh, scored the overtime game winner yesterday for them. It's they just have such a good team and they're only getting better. You know, they're making these moves for guys like Dmitry Orlov. Dmitry Orlov has been really good since he joined the Boston Bruins. He scored two goals and an assist against Calgary yesterday. And uh, one of those goals was an absolute highlight reel. And the game before that, he got two assists. So in three games, Dmitry Orlov has, do the math, what, five points as a defenseman? Two goals? I mean, he's thriving with the Boston Bruins. That would be the word I would use. Would be thriving. And Dmitry Orlov's a great player. I've been watching this guy since he was in the AHL with the with the Hershey Bears. But Dmitry Orlov, Washington Capitals, probably their third best defenseman, maybe. Also, shout out Jensen, uh, Caps defenseman Jensen. He did get an uh, an extension. Um, I think it was a three year deal for. For that uh, D-man. So, yeah, Jensen gets the three-year extension. So they, they trade Orlov. A few days later, they're like, oh, shit, I think we're a little light on defense. Maybe we should lock up our guy, Jensen. So they did that. Obviously, John Carlson's been hurt pretty much all year. So the Caps are missing them. But then they did make a trade, and they did get Sandine. So the Capitals are kind of replenishing. They, so it's, it's kind of weird. So they trade Orlov, okay? But then they acquire a defenseman. They acquire... Rasmus Sandin from the Toronto Blue, uh, I almost said Toronto Blue Jays, <laughs> Toronto Maple Leafs. He was a first round pick in 2018. He's a Swedish um, defenseman and he's a good player. So they get rid of Orlov, they get Sandin. To be honest, I don't know what's going on in Washington. They also traded Marcus Johansson to the Wild for a third round pick. So they, so they trade away Johansson, they trade away Eller. They trade away Orlov, but then they give up a first-round pick and Eric Gustafson for Rasmus Sandin. So it's, it's, 
Yeah, a little confused. I think Rasmus Sandin is more of not just a this year move, but maybe in the future kind of move because he is only 22. So maybe they're thinking since Orlov's starting to get you know, a little long in the tooth. They think maybe we'll acquire a guy like Rasmus Sandin and let him kind of take hold, get get all the ice time that he needs to continue to develop as a player, as a talent, and just maybe play alongside John Carlson next year. Who knows? So I think the Boston, I, I think that the Caps have a plan because they are one of those teams that are pretty consistent as far as making the playoffs every year, having a winning record, just being a solid team uh, year in and year out. So I definitely don't question their judgment. I think that they're making the best decisions for their team. So moving forward, Maple Leafs traded for Luke Shen, a scrappy defenseman that's been having a pretty decent year. So uh, Toronto gets their uh, grimy hands on him. They traded away a 2023 third-round pick for Luke Shen. I believe the Penguins were one of the teams in on Shen. Maybe even the Caps were in on Shen. I think I saw. And... He ends up going to Toronto. Uh, moving forward, we also see that the Hurricanes are did acquire Jesse Pujarvi, a guy that I guess has been a real disappointment for the Oilers. He was a uh, former first-round pick for them, a really high first-round pick at that. And uh, he's never really lived up to the expectations, never really lived up to the hype. So I think a change of scenery for Jesse Pujarvi could actually end up being a really good thing. And the Hurricanes are already loaded. So they get a guy like Pujarvi, that's a, that's a real talent. And they have... The depth at center that they can pair him with Aho, uh, Jordan Stahl might be the best guy to pair him with, to be honest with you. I think if you put him on a line with Jordan Stahl, you get those big sons of bitches on the same line together, like six foot five plus line. They're just going to go out there and steamroll everybody. Okay, it's going to be a fearful line to play against. You get guys like Jordan Stahl and Jesse PRV out there together. That's going to be scary. So I think that uh, that's probably a pretty good move for Carolina. They're just trying to be more dominant. They're just trying to assert their dominance. So they get PRV. Uh, PRV is he, he's talented. There's no doubt about it. He's just he's just never lived up to the hype. Is really all it is. Uh, PRV has five goals, fourteen points in fifty eight games this year. Really not good. And uh, he had a career high fourteen goals, thirty six points last year. So nothing close to what uh, PRV should. Uh, be doing as a, a six foot four winger drafted fourth overall. You know what I mean? Like they, they definitely expected more out of Jesse being that high of a draft pick. And they've gotten the production out of guys like McDavid, guys like Drysaddle, even Nugent Hopkins, Taylor Hall before they traded him. And I mean, it's just that was one of the few busts that the Oilers had was drafting Jesse PRV. So trade him to uh, Carolina. Maybe he can live up to the hype. I don't know. Uh, they didn't have to give up too much to get him, I don't think. Uh, Oilers are not retaining any of his cap hit. Let me see here. Um, they are trading away. Yeah, it doesn't say here. It doesn't say what they traded away, but still, it's it's a good trade. I like that for Carolina. Uh, another really weird thing that happened last night. Andre Kopitar scored four goals. Andre Kopitar. Yeah, he scored four goals last night. Yeah, I'm talking about that Andre Kopitar, the guy that is probably close to 40 years old. He's a playmaker. He's never, I mean, he's been a goal scorer, but he's never really been a goal scorer. He's more of a playmaker. So for him to score four goals in a game is just bananas. And not only did he score four goals in the game, but the, the Los Angeles Kings, I don't think they slept last night because after he did that, not too long after, they traded away the goaltender that got them multiple Stanley Cups, Jonathan Quick. So they trade Jonathan Quick to the Columbus Blue Jackets. Okay, the worst team in the National Hockey League. They trade Jonathan Quick. Now, 
this is kind of like a F you to Jonathan Quick because of everything he's done for your organization. I guess they're just trying to free up cap when they made that trade to get Gavrikov and Corpusalo. I'm not saying it's a bad move for the Kings. I'm just saying it doesn't look good on their part because a guy that's done so much for your organization, it kind of it kind of reminds me of when the Penguins uh, kind of just screwed over Marc-Andre Fleury. I mean, this is kind of reminiscent of that because they got rid of Fleury and then after that, their whole goaltending situation has been cursed ever since. So winning those cups with Flurry and getting the job done all those years, never having to worry about goaltending, having consistency back there, literally just never having to worry about it. Kings had the same thing with Jonathan Quick, okay? Flurry starts getting old. They think he's starting to lose it. They trade him away, or better yet, they pay a team to take him. The Kings just did that exact same thing. They pay the Columbus Blue Jackets with money to take Jonathan Quick. And they're like, you take Jonathan Quick, we're going to actually give you more than what he's worth to give to you. You don't have to give it to us. We're going to give it to you. You just have to take on his salary, essentially. So the Jackets take quick, and they don't even want quick. So not only do they disrespect quick, they don't. the Jackets don't want quick. So now I saw rumors that, the, that quick is going to be getting traded to a playoff contending team, which we have no idea who that would be. I don't know who's interested in a goaltender at that age. He's most likely going to be a backup at best. But still, Jonathan Quick deserves a little bit more respect. So I'm a little disappointed with LA, but I understand why they did it. I understand why the Penguins traded Flurry too, but it just still hurts. So I understand Kings fans. I understand your pain because I've been feeling that same pain since the expansion draft that one year when, uh, when with the with Vegas expansion draft where Flurry got traded. So I, I'm feeling that same thing. Um, so the Kings trade Quick. We'll see where Quick ends up, but it's not going to be Columbus, most likely. Uh, and then another big trade, the Oilers get Matthias Ekholm, big defenseman off the market. Matthias Ekholm, he is a solid, solid D-man from Nashville. Uh, and a six-round pick in exchange for Tyson Berry, prospect Reed Schaefer, and a first-round and fourth-round pick. So they definitely paid up. The Oilers paid up to get Ekholm, but Ekholm is a stud. And if the Oilers want any chance at competing this year, Ekholm's gonna he's gonna help them out. That's it's a helpful piece to have on your team. And the very last NHL news I have for you guys today it just happened an hour ago. The Detroit Red the Detroit Red Wings finally wised up and extended their captain Dylan Larkin, eight year, sixty nine point six million dollar extension. The captain is staying in Detroit. So a big move for the Red Wings to lock up Larkin on an eight-year deal. That is just a sign of respect as well. I think when a guy has done enough for your organization, you just can't see him in another jersey. And Larkin's one of those guys for me. I just can't see him in another jersey other than the Red Wings jersey. So it's good to see that the Larkin Express gets locked up there. And the Red Wings are not a bad team, okay? They might not make it this year to the playoffs, but they're right there. They've been very close for the last couple years. So it's fair to let Larkin be a part of that after the rebuild that he's endured pretty much his entire career. Now that they're finally in contention again or getting close to being in contention again, Dylan Larkin now gets to experience that with all the young guys that he's helped mentor over the last few years. So that's a big deal for me. And the very last thing that we're going to talk about today is actually Major League Baseball, but not actually Major League Baseball, the World Baseball Championship, the WBC. So the World Baseball Classic, sorry, I'm used to saying championship. So 
March 7th, I think, is when this starts. But they have the power rankings unveiled as far as which teams are going to be, you know, the teams to look out for, the teams to watch, the teams that have a chance to win the whole thing. So I just want to go over that here real quick with you guys. The first team in the power rankings is actually not the United States of America. And the justification for why USA is not number one, I totally agree with. So I'm not mad about this by any means. But I still think USA can win the tournament. The number one team is the Dominican Republic. And when I talked about the WBC, a couple episodes ago, and that was actually a long time ago, probably weeks ago. I talked about the Dominican Republic being the main uh, threat to the United States, and they are the main threat to the United States. They're posing a threat. They have guys like Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Rafael Devers, Manny Machado, Juan Soto, Wander Franco, Jeremy Pena, not to mention pitchers like Sandy Alcantara and Christian Javier. I mean, they are absolutely stacked from head to toe, from top to bottom. Um, I mean, it is what it is. You know, the Dominican Republic could easily win this tournament. They could easily win this tournament. And I'm not saying that they won't win the tournament. They could easily win this tournament. It's They had the power to do it. They have the team. They have the roster. They have the talent. All these teams have the talent. It's a WBC. So all these teams, they're putting out the best of the best from their particular country, the best that their country has to offer, and they're competing against each other. It's the Olympics for baseball. So obviously, the Dominican Republic is favored going into this tournament. I'm not surprised at all. I have them at two in my power rankings. It just... It is what it is. Um, they're a really good team. They're a really good team. So watch out for Dominican Republic. The shocker that I ran into here looking at these power rankings is number two. They have number two is Japan. Japan. They only have four MLB players on this roster. One of them is best player on earth, Shoei Otani. But like, what's going on here? I guess one of the arguments they have here is Roki Kasasaki. 19 strikeout perfect game last April, and a 23-year-old Munitaka Murakami, the reigning Central League MVP and Triple Crown winner. So apparently they have some pretty good baseball players over there in Japan. So we'll see how they fare against the Dominican Republic and against the United States of America, who are three on this list, one on mine, of course, unbiased. Uh, but yeah, USA, ranked number three, Mike Trout, Mookie Betts, JT Real Muto, you know the drill. The only knock on Team USA, and it's the same knock I have on Team USA, Nestor Cortez, Clayton Kershaw, they sign up to pitch, they back out. Cortez, because of an injury, Kershaw, God knows what. Either way, USA is very thin on pitching, and they were thin on pitching to begin with because a lot of the really good pitchers didn't want anything to do with the WBC, surprisingly. So we're going to be throwing out guys like Adam Wainwright, who's like 41 years old, and we're going to try to beat teams like the Dominican Republic. So yeah, our offense is going to have to score eight or nine runs a game. Can they do it? Absolutely. Will they do it? Who knows? But we're going to see. It's going to be interesting. So that's the top three. After that, it, it gets a little bit lower as far as like Venezuela is number four. They're, they're an interesting story. Puerto Rico at six. Mexico at seven. Cuba at eight. I skipped one. I don't know which one I skipped. Colombia's 10. A lot of these teams USA has to play. Okay, Colombia being 10, USA has to play them in the, in, in the inaugural stage. Uh, Canada is 12th. USA has to play them in the inaugural stage. Um, Canadians don't have a ton of really good players, but they do have Freddie Freeman and Tyler O'Neill, uh, Cal Quantrill, Nick Pavetta, Jameson Tayo, and Josh Naylor. I mean, they got good players. So Canada being 12th in the power rankings, USA has got to play them in the preliminary round. Colombia at number 10, they have to play them. Mexico at 7, they have to play them. And then they have to play Great Britain. And I have no idea where they are on here. Oh, 16th. <laughs> So at least they get to ease into it with Great Britain, who's the worst team they have to play. But it keeps getting harder as they go. 
Uh, and Venezuela, let's go back to Venezuela at number four. So Venezuela's main superstar power is Ronald Acuna Jr. Ronald Acuna Jr., easily the best player on Venezuela. But after that, there's a drop-off, okay? They have some pitchers. Pitching staff's kind of deep, but um, they don't have the top talent that some of these other teams have, right? They don't have the Otanis of the world or the Trouts uh, or the Sotos or Guerreros. They don't have that, right? Puerto Rico also doesn't really have that. They're sixth on here. They got Stroman, who obviously you remember uh, beating the USA in 2017 when Puerto Rico won it all. But them being sixth on here, yeah, I mean, that's about right. I'm surprised they won it all before, but they're not as good as they were before either. Some of these other teams are a lot more powerful and potent than they were, you know, uh, six, was it six years ago? So that's kind of a big deal. And then looking into Mexico now at seven, just because they're playing USA, they got guys like Julio Arias. Jose Aquiti, Taiwan Walker, Patrick Sandoval, really good pitching. Alejandro Kirk behind the plate. But then their best hitters other than that are like Rowdy Telez and Randy Rosarena. So it's kind of weird. I, I don't know how Mexico is going to pose that much of a threat. But Cuba is an interesting concept here. They are um, eighth in here. And they have Yo Mercado, Luis Robert, only big leaders. And they have some veteran uh, you know, presence there with those couple guys. But they're not super familiar and Cespedes is in there too okay that's interesting so that's what I saw veteran it's Cespedes Cespedes you know Cespedes everybody remembers Cespedes but uh he's not in the MLB really anymore so we'll see how he's really faring nowadays I don't know how (laughs) how Cespedes is doing now that he's probably not facing that level of competition he was in the MLB but yeah it's interesting it's gonna be interesting but yeah I just kind of wanted to go over the numbers here you know Dominican Japan, USA, Venezuela, South Korea, Puerto Rico, Mexico, Cuba, Netherlands, Colombia. That's the top 10. So interesting. So I just thought I'd kind of run over that uh, those numbers for you guys. That's a power rankings for the WBC. Again, subject to change and also subject to any kind of criticism that you might want to offer. So... Thank you guys for listening to the episode today. We did cover three different major sports, and I am very appreciative of any of your feedback or any of your support moving forward. So follow us on Instagram at Sports Bar Jockeys. Again, appreciate the listen, and uh, we'll see you next time on Sports Bar Jockeys. Have a great day, everybody.